0: section 8 of epics and romances of the middle ages this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org epics and romances of the middle ages by wilhelm wagner section 8 dietrich and hildebrand dietmar second son of Hugh Dietrich ruled with a strong hand at Bern and refused to acknowledge his elder brother emenrich or any other king as his suzerain he was a mighty warrior and so terrible in battle that few of his enemies dared look him in the face but at home he was gentle to all especially to his wife odelia daughter of elsung or according to another saga daughter of a danish king His eldest son, Dietrich, was the joy of his heart. At twelve years old he had the strength of a mighty warrior. His fair hair fell over his shoulders in heavy curls. His figure was tall and slender, yet strong and well-knit. He had regular features, but when he was angry, he was terrible to look upon. From his earliest childhood anyone might see that he would become a lion-hearted hero. It was even said that his breath was like glowing fire when he was angry, and this the people thought an undoubted proof that he was descended from a demon ancestor. When Dietrich was five years old, a famous hero came to his father's court. This was Hildebrand, son of Herbrand, and grandson of the faithful Berchtung. As we said before, Herbrand's fief consisted of the district and castle of Garden, He had brought up his son in the traditional way, so that he grew up to be a perfect warrior and a wise man. King Dietmar was so pleased with his guest that he appointed him to be his son's teacher and governor. This was the beginning of a friendship between master and pupil that lasted till death parted them. THE SWORD NAGELRING Now it came to pass that a giant and giantess invaded Dietmar's land, and slew, burnt, and plundered the people. They were so strong that no one could resist them. The king went against them at the head of the army, but could not find them. He saw everywhere on his borders the desolation they had caused, but none could tell him where they were concealed. At this ill success young Dietrich and his master were as much distressed as the king himself. They determined to search for the giants till they found them, though the search should cost them years. They wandered over mountains and valleys seeking the monsters, but seeing nothing of them. One day they set out to hunt with their hawks and hounds, and came to a great forest, in the middle of which was a green meadow, where they thought they should find plenty of game. They uncoupled the hounds and rode, one to the left and the other to the right of the meadow, holding their weapons in readiness. As Dietrich slowly advanced, keeping a sharp lookout, a dwarf crossed his path. Stooping from his horse, he caught up the mannikin and placed him in front of him. The little prisoner made so loud a moan that Hildebrand heard him, and galloped across the meadow to see what was the matter. Catching sight of the dwarf, "Hallo!" he cried. "'Hold the rascal tight. He knows all roads, both on and under the earth.' he is elbigast the prince of thieves and is certain to be a friend of the robbers the dwarf shrieked louder than before and declared that far from being their friend he had suffered much wrong at the hands of the giant grim and his sister hilda that he had even been obliged to forge for them the good sword Nagelring and the strong helmet hildegrim and had been forced to lead them to their victims by hidden ways known only to himself he swore to help the warriors if they wished to fight the unholy pair. The mannequin was therefore set at liberty. He drew a long breath and said, You could not catch me now, if I wish to escape you, but I will serve you faithfully, that I may be freed from the power of the giants. Come back to this place at daybreak to-morrow, and I will give you the sword Nagelring, without which you cannot conquer the monster.' I shall steal it away from him as truly as I am Elbegast, the Prince of Thieves. Then I will show you his footmarks in the dewy grass, that you may track him to his hollow mountain, where, if you slay him and his wicked sister, you will find rich booty to reward you. The dwarf had no sooner uttered these words than he vanished. The next morning, before daylight, THE PRINCE AND HIS COMPANIONS CAME TO THE EDGE OF THE GREEN MEADOW, TALKING OF THIS AND THAT. THEY AGREED THAT THE WORD OF A MOUNTAIN GOBLIN WAS NOT TO BE TRUSTED, AND THAT THIEVISH Elbagast WOULD PROBABLY BE FALSE LIKE ALL HIS KINDRED. THEIR CONVERSATION WAS INTERRUPTED BY A STRANGE CLANKING SOUND, AND AT THE SAME MOMENT THEY NOTICED THE ROSY DAWN OVERSPREADING THE SKY. THEY STARTED TO THEIR FEET AND LOOKED ABOUT. Elbagast came up to them dragging a huge sword dietrich seized it with a cry of joy unsheathed it and swung it in the air now cried Elbagast, you have the strength of twelve men and can fight the monster on equal terms look carefully and you will see the marks of his shoes distinctly printed on the dewy grass i had to make his shoes of iron for he is miserly and said that leather was too dear Follow the tracks. They will lead you to the entrance of his cave. I can go with you no farther. He vanished, and the heroes followed the giant's tracks in obedience to the dwarfs' advice. At length they reached a great cliff, but there was no opening to be seen large enough to serve as a door. A few cracks might be noticed here and there in the stone, so small that only a dwarf or a lizard could have crept in, certainly not a man in armor, and still less a giant hildebrand thought that a bit of the rock might perhaps be fitted into the cliff instead of a door he tried to shake and loosen any projecting piece of the cliff that he could clutch his efforts were not in vain an enormous block of stone stirred and rocked beneath his hands and just as dietrich came to his assistance it fell thundering into the valley below The sunlight penetrated the darkness of the deep cavern, in the background of which a great fire was burning. Grim was lying on a bed of bear and wolf skins close to the flames. Wakened by the falling rock, he raised himself on his elbow, and perceiving the warrior's approach, looked about for his sword. Not finding it, he snatched up a burning log, and rushed upon Dietrich. His blows sounded like claps of thunder— and fell as thick as hail. It was only the young warrior's nimbleness that saved his life, which was endangered not only by the force of the blows, but by the smoke and the burning sparks that flew from the log. Hildebrand would have gone to his pupil's assistance had not the latter forbidden him. And indeed he soon had enough to do to defend himself, for the giantess now appeared, and catching Hildebrand up in her arms, held him tight, It was a deadly embrace. The warrior could not breathe. He struggled in vain to free himself from the sinewy arms that held him. At last the giantess threw him on his back, pressing his hands and arms as though in a vice, and making the blood spurt from under his nails. She looked about for a rope with which to bind and hang him. Hildebrand called to his companion to help him in his need dietrich seeing his friend's danger leaped over the giant's weapon with a despairing spring and at the same time seizing his sword in both hands split the monster's head from the crown to the collar-bone then turning upon the giantess he slew her after a short but sharp engagement hildebrand now staggered to his feet and said that from henceforth he would regard his former pupil as his master because that woman had been harder to deal with than any foe he had ever met before. Dietrich and Hildebrand took the treasure they found hidden away in a side cave, as their mead of victory, and brought it home to Bern. King Dietmar rejoiced in the glory of his heroic son, whose name had become famous in every land, but he did not live long after these events. He died loved and honored by all when dietrich ascended the throne he gave his younger brother dither to hildebrand's charge begging his friend to teach the boy to be a hero and a worthy scion of his noble race and hildebrand did his best with the help of his wife the good high-souled uota whom he married soon after together they taught the boy to love what was good and true to be brave and to be not only an admirer but a doer of high deeds soon after grim and hilda had fallen under dretrik's sword their nephew strong siganot a giant who lived in the western mountains came down into the forest to visit his relations when he discovered their dead bodies in the cave he howled with rage and swore to avenge their death a dwarf for whom he called told him of the fight between his uncle and aunt and the heroes but Siganot would not believe the story. He thought that Grimm and Hilda had been murdered in their sleep by Dietrich and his comrade for the sake of their hoard. Years passed on. One evening the heroes were seated together in the great hall of the palace, drinking their wine and talking. "'Master,' said King Dietrich, "'I never saw a living wife embrace her husband so passionately as Hilda did you that day in the cave.' "'I think the lady Uota would be angry if she heard how the giantess tugged you.' "'What a monster she was,' answered Hildebrand with a shudder. "'And you freed me from her clutches.' "'Yes,' said the king, laughing. "'It showed my generosity. "'I returned you good for evil that time. "'For you know I might have remembered how many thrashings and floggings you had given me when a boy. "'Now confess, was I not generous?' I am quite willing to do so, replied Hildebrand with a smile, and then added gravely, but do not pride yourself too much on the past, for the giant Sigynot has long been watching for us in the mountains, that he may fall upon us and avenge his Uncle Grimm's death. From what I hear, he is so strong that no mortal man can withstand him, and even an army would fall before him like corn under the sickle. Hey, what new story is this? cried the king. So Grimm's avenger is laying in wait in the mountains? Why did no one tell me before? I will start to-morrow in search of him and free my realm from the monster. What? cried one of the guests. Are you going to attack the giant? asked another. The murderous Sigynot, added a third. Listen to me, Dietrich, my pupil, said Hildebrand solemnly. He is not heroic, but foolhardy, WHO UNDERTAKES TO DO THE IMPOSSIBLE, AND IT IS IMPOSSIBLE TO CONQUER THAT GIANT. LISTEN, DEAR MASTER, ANSWERED Dietrich. DO YOU REMEMBER HOW YOU TAUGHT ME THAT HE IS A HERO WHO UNDERTAKES WHAT IS APPARENTLY IMPOSSIBLE, BECAUSE HE TRUSTS IN HIS STRENGTH, AND IN THE JUSTICE OF HIS CAUSE? HE IS A HERO, WHETHER HE GAINS THE CROWN OF VICTORY OR MEETS WITH DEATH. MY CAUSE IS JUST. BECAUSE I GO FORTH TO FREE MY REALM AND MY PEOPLE FROM THE POWER OF THE MONSTER. SIRE, CRIED Hildebrand. YOU ARE NO LONGER MY PUPIL, BUT MY COMRADE, AND AS YOUR COMRADE I WILL ACCOMPANY YOU TO THE GREAT BATTLE. THE KING ANSWERED AFTER A SHORT PAUSE. MY MASTER USED TO SAY, ONE AGAINST ONE IS THE WAY OF TRUE WARRIORS, TWO AGAINST ONE IS THE WAY OF COWARDS, SO I MUST GO ALONE. If you do not return in eight days, returned the master, I will follow you, and be your liberator, or your avenger, or your companion in death. Why make so much ado? cried Wolfhart. The king will strike old Longlegs dead, or else Uncle Hildebrand will do it, and if they both should fail, I will follow them, and I wager my head that I will lead him like a captive bear by a rope to the castle here, and then hang him over the battlements, where he may stay till his gossips in hell come to fetch him home. Dietrich then set out on his journey. On the evening of the third day he came in sight of the mountains. He felt so cheery and so strong that he would not have feared to offer battle to all the giants in the world. As he was lying on the grass, sunk in happy reverie, he saw a stately elk, sprang on his horse, and followed it till he came up with it. When drawing his sword, he stabbed it in the neck, so that it fell dead. He lighted a fire, roasted a bit of the elk for his supper, and ate it. Washing it down with some cups of wine, he drew from the skin at his saddle bow. A cry of agony disturbed him in the midst of his enjoyment. He looked up and saw a naked giant covered from head to foot with bristly hair, who was holding a dwarf firmly bound to the end of his iron club the manikin shrieked to the warrior for help, affirming that the monster was about to eat him alive. Dietrich at once advanced towards the wild man, and offered him a fair exchange. He said he might have the elk instead of the dwarf, and that he would find it a larger and juicier mouthful. "'Get out of the way, you dog,' bellowed the giant. "'Get out of the way, or I will roast you at your own fire, and eat you up, armor and all.' The hero's anger was stirred at this address, and he drew Nagelring from its sheath, while the giant swept the dwarf from off his club as easily as a snowflake. Then the battle began, and raged until both combatants were so weary that they had to rest a while. The king again offered to make peace with the monster, because he had come out to fight with the master and not with the servant. A shout of scornful laughter was the answer he received and then the giant cried in a mighty voice that made the trees tremble to their roots. "'Do you think that a little midget like you "'could conquer Sigonot? "'He would bind you to a stake as easily as I should that dwarf, "'and would leave you to die in agony.' "'And now the fray was renewed. "'The dwarf, who had freed himself from his bonds, "'kept well behind Dietrich, and advised him what to do. "'Hit him over the ear with the hilt of your sword,' The blade is of no use with him. Dietrich did as he was advised, and the monster fell with a crash beneath his blow. The sword-hilt had penetrated deep into his skull. A second and third blow put an end to him. "'Now quick, let us away,' cried the dwarf, "'before Sigynod, king of the mountains, comes down upon us. "'Should he find us here, we are lost.' Proud of his victory, Dietrich explained the object of his quest. ''Noble hero,'' said the manikin, ''you cannot escape your fate. If by miracle you are victorious, we poor dwarfs will be freed from an intolerable tyranny, in gratitude for which, Boone, we will be your faithful friends as long as you live. Our father, Alberich left the rule over thousands of our people in equal portions to me, his eldest son, Valdung, and to egerich his younger son.' BUT IN SPITE OF OUR CAPS OF DARKNESS AND ALL OUR MAGIC ARTS, sigynoth HAS ENSLAVED US AND HOLDS US NOW IN SUCH VILE BONDAGE THAT MANY DIE OF HARDSHIPS AND MANY MORE ARE DEVOURED BY HIM. WELL, SAID Dietrich. SHOW YOUR GRATITUDE BY POINTING THE WAY TO sigynoth THE DWARF SHOWED THE HERO THE SNOW-TOP MOUNTAIN WHERE HIS ENEMY LIVED, DREW THE CAP OF DARKNESS OVER HIS HEAD AND DISAPPEARED. Dietrich set out, and about midday arrived at the regions of ice and snow. Long gray moss hung pendant from the branches of the pines, and covered the stems to the root. A thick mist suddenly rose, and hid the mountain. All at once the mist parted like a curtain, and Dietrich saw a beautiful woman in snow-white garments, a diadem of precious stones on her head, and round her throat a necklace that shone like the star's she raised her finger warningly and said ride back hero of Bern, or are you lost the destroyer is lying in ambush for you she glided past with inaudible steps and vanished among the glaciers leaving dietrich lost in astonishment and wondering whether it were the goddess freya or the elf queen virginal that he had seen he was startled out of his reverie by a shout and at the same moment perceived the gigantic warrior hastening to meet him. "'So you have come at last,' he cried, "'to give me an opportunity of revenging the murder of Grimm and Hilda.' They began to fight without more ado. As Dietrich tried to make use of what he thought a favorable chance, the blade of his sword, Nagelring was caught in an overhanging bough. All his efforts to withdraw it were in vain. At last the steel broke— and at the same moment a blow of the giant's club stretched the hero senseless on the ground. His helmet was unhurt, but the blow had been so heavy that it left him unconscious. The giant now fell upon him, kneaded his defenseless body both with his hands and his knees, and then dragged him away into his dismal den. Master Hildebrand waited for eight days with great impatience. Then finding that the king did not return, he took leave of his wife and set forth in search of him. In the wood near the snow capped mountain, Hildebrand found the king's horse and further on the broken sword. He could no longer doubt what his friend's fate had been. Vengeance, not deliverance, was now alone what he hoped for, and he rode on unheeding the warning that the little dwarf Valdhung called after him. On perceiving the newcomer, the giant rushed upon him. The battle between them was long and fierce, and Sigynot disdained no weapon of defense. He tore up bushes and even trees and threw them at the hero. When Hildebrand at last tried to defend himself by a ruse, the club came down upon his head and struck him senseless to the ground. Come on, Longbeard, shouted Sigynot. Hilda and Grimm are avenged at last. So saying, he bound the fallen warrior hand and foot and seizing him by the head flung him over his shoulder and bore him to his cave singing loudly the while the giant's dwelling was large and lofty the roof was supported by stone pillars and a carbuncle in the centre shed a pleasant light over the foreground while the back of the cavern was dark and gloomy in the extreme on entering, the giant threw down his burden with such force that hildebrand thought every bone in his body was broken Sigonot then went to a side cave to fetch an iron chain with which to bind his prisoner saying that he would not be long away when a weak man is in sore straits he at once gives himself up for lost not so the hero he never abandons hope until he has tried every mode of rescue however poor it was thus with hildebrand looking round him he perceived his good sword which the giant had seized as rightful booty lying in a distant corner and he thought that he might yet fight and gain the victory if he could only cut the cords that bound his wrists he was fastened to a square pillar with sharp corners he sawed the cords on his wrists against the pillar, and cut them through. No sooner were his hands free than he undid the ropes and cords about his feet, and snatching up his sword, hid behind the pillar, which he intended to use as a protection, his shield having been left in the wood. Sigginat returned with the chains, and looked about in astonishment. His prisoner was gone. Suddenly he caught sight of him behind the pillar, and the battle raged anew. The ground trembled beneath the giant's tread, and the rocks re-echoed the sound of blows. The combatants were now fighting in the dark background of the cave, led there by the gradual retreat of Hildebrand, when suddenly the hero heard his name called from the depths beyond. He recognized the king's voice, and the knowledge that his friend yet lived gave added strength to his arm. A few minutes more, and the giant was stretched at his feet. The victory was won. He cut off the monster's head, and whilst resting for a moment after his exertion, he heard Dietrich's voice exclaiming, Hildebrand, dear master, help me out of the serpent's hole. There are still some adders here, alive, though I have slain and eaten many more. Finding that the king was confined in a deep hole, hildebrand looked round for a rope or a ladder with which to help him out whilst engaged in this search he was joined by the dwarf baldung who gave him a ladder of ropes by means of which the king was restored to the light of day hildebrand said dietrich taking a long breath of the fresh pure air you are not my comrade but my master after this the heroes followed the dwarf into his subterranean kingdom where he provided them with food and drink, and offered them costly treasures. The noblest gift that Dietrich accepted was his sword Naglering, mended, hardened, and newly adorned with gold and precious stones, so that it was more beautiful as well as stronger than before. The heroes now returned to Bern, where they were received with great joy. Queen Virginal once when dietrich and hildebrand were hunting in the wild mountains of Tyrol, the king confessed that he had never been able to forget queen virginal who had come out to warn him of cygnath's approach you would find it as easy to gain the love of a star as to while queen virginal away from her glaciers and snow mountains said hildebrand while the heroes were thus talking together a tiny little mannequin dressed in full armour suddenly stood before them noble warriors he said you must know that i am bibung the unconquerable protector of queen virginal ruler of all dwarfs and giants in these mountains with my help she chased thievish Elbagast away from her dominions but the wretch has now invaded her realm with the help of the magician ortgis his giants and his lindworms he has forced her by his black art to pay him a shameful tribute he obliges her every full moon to give him one of her beautiful maidens, whom he then imprisons, fattens, and eats for his dinner. So Yerospunt, her palace, is filled with weeping and mourning. My lady, hearing that you conquered the dread Siganot, entreats you to come to her aid. Therefore, hasten to Heraspunt and rescue our great queen. The heroes consented and asked to be shown the way the dwarf guided them till they came within sight of a wondrous building shining on the heights in the light of the evening sun hildebrand broke the silence that had fallen on them by exclaiming truly if the lady uota were not my wife i should be inclined to try my luck with queen virginal but as things are i will do my best to help you win her well bibung why where in the world has the rascal got to the unconquerable protector of the queen has a wholesome terror of orcus laughed dietrich but now let us on to the palace night is the time for witches to journey not honest men said hildebrand so let us stretch ourselves on the soft moss and rest till morning the next morning was dull and misty and a snowstorm beat in the faces of the warriors as they climbed the steep mountain on foot by a road impassable for horses on and on they went a weary way as they stopped to slake their thirst at a spring they heard a woman's voice shrieking for help a girl rushed up to them and entreated their aid against terrible ortges to whom she had been delivered according to the treaty and who was now hunting her down with his dogs at the same moment the holoa of the huntsman was heard and in another the battle of the heroes with ortges and his followers had begun gigantic as were ortges and his train they soon fell under the swords of the heroes one man alone escaped but he was the worst of the whole crew for he was yanibas son of ortges and a great magician like his father dietrich and hildebrand determined to take shelter in the castle of ortges which was nigh at hand when they knocked at the door several armed giants rushed out upon them but at length they too were conquered a horseman in black armor had kept behind the rest during the battle he murmured something in a strange language and obedient to his voice new giants rose out of the earth to take the place of the slain still the heroes were victorious the black horsemen continued to murmur and horrible lindworms crept out of the ground and with them dietrich and hildebrand had to fight all night long the black horsemen disappeared at last when the first rays of the rising sun lighted up the castle in the valley. At the same moment the hero saw an enormous old lindworm crawling away with an armed man in its jaws. It wanted to creep away unnoticed, but the warriors immediately attacked it. The dragon let its victim fall, and hurled itself, hissing upon Dietrich, who stood nearest. With one claw it tore away his shield and ripped up his coat of mail at the same time it caught up hildebrand with its tail and flung him to a great distance but dietrich thrust his sword right through its jaws and so deep into a neighboring tree that the creature was pinned down and died a few minutes after roaring like thunder the maiden they had saved from ortges had watched the combat from afar she now approached and bound up dietrich's wounds pouring in a healing balm meanwhile hildebrand had picked up the man the dragon had let fall and recognized him as Rotwen, the son of helfrich of tuscany who was his mother's brother Rotwen joined the other two and promised to help them to punish the wizard Yanabus. further help appeared in the person of helfrich the whole party now moved towards the magician's castle the gates of which stood open The court was full of armed men, amongst whom was Janibus in black armor, riding on a coal-black steed. He murmured magic words, and lions rushed out on the heroes. These great beasts were slain, and so were the men-at-arms who followed them. Janibus alone escaped. Dietrich and his followers entered the castle, where they found three of the queen's maidens cooped up for fattening, and set them free after which they burnt the magician's fortress that it might not serve as a refuge to janibus if he returned to that part of the country the whole party then started for aaron the castle of helfrich where the heroes were to rest before continuing their journey to the palace of queen virginal a short respite from their toil was the more necessary as dietrich's wounds were very painful but their hostess's good nursing had soon the happiest effect in subduing the fever and healing the wounds. At last the day was fixed for their departure, and Helfrich had settled to go with them and lead them to Herespund. While they were making their final arrangements, a dwarf galloped up to the door, and throwing himself from his horse, entered the hall, his mantle torn and dusty, and his countenance as pale as death help noble heroes help he cried ianibus has come against queen virginal in battle array he has ordered her to deliver all her maidens up to him and also the carbuncle in her cornet if he gets that into his power no one can withstand him for it would give him complete command over all the mountains and over all the giants dwarfs and lindworms that inhabit them woe to them if they fall into his hands dietrich at once declared his readiness to go alone to the queen's help if the others were not prepared to start on the instant what alone cried the dwarf if you go alone you are a dead man even i her majesty's special defender had to turn my back and fly before the foe what then would become of you nobody could help laughing at the manikin's conceit but there was no time to lose and all the warriors hastened to arm and start for the palace. The hero and their friends had a long and hard pull up the mountainside, over snow-fields and glaciers, in the midst of which great crevices yawned in unexpected places, but they were cheered on their way by catching from every height a glimpse of Gerispunt. At length they came so near that they heard shrieks and howls, and other sounds of battle. A few minutes later the terrible scene was visible. Some of the palace guard were killed and mangled, others were yet defending themselves. Gigantic dogs, monsters of every sort, and hordes of savage warriors formed the enemy's ranks. Many had forced their way through the broken gate, and were raging, storming, and howling round the queen's throne. The sovereign lady sat there unmoved, SURROUNDED BY HER TREMBLING MAIDENS. A CARBUNCLE GLOWED IN THE DIADENUM THAT GRACED HER HEAD, AND A SILVER VEIL WAS WRAPPED ABOUT HER. HER ONLY PREDICTION SEEMED TO BE A MAGIC CIRCLE THAT HER assailants COULD NOT PASS. WHETHER THE MAGIC LAY IN HER WONDERFUL BEAUTY OR IN THE SPIRITUAL LOVE THAT SHONE ON HER FACE, IT WERE IMPOSSIBLE TO SAY. NO ONE HAD YET DARED TO APPROACH HER. EVEN THE HEROES HALTED FOR A MOMENT ON FIRST SEEING HER, but then recovering themselves, pressed forward. They made their way in spite of clouds of snow and lumps of ice, to say nothing of a frightful hurricane that almost blew them away. The mountains trembled under repeated thunderclaps, and a bottomless crevice divided them from the palace. But at the same moment Dietrich perceived the black horseman reading his magic spells from an iron tablet. He sprang upon him, broke the tablet and slew the magician a great clap of thunder rolled over the mountains avalanches fell ice-fields broke up and then came a silence as of death the spell was broken the yawning gulf closed and the way to the palace was free the magician's followers eager to avenge their master attacked the heroes and their men but their efforts were vain THE MONSTERS, WHO YET LIVED, HAD SOON TO FLY AND SEEK REFUGE IN THE SOLITUDES OF THE SNOW MOUNTAINS. Dietrich NOW APPROACHED THE QUEEN AT THE HEAD OF HIS FOLLOWERS. HE WOULD HAVE KNELT BEFORE HER, BUT SHE ROSE FROM HER THRONE, AND OFFERING HIM HER HAND, GREETED HIM WITH A KISS. UNABLE TO UTTER A WORD, HE LET HER LEAD HIM TO THE THRONE, AND SEATED HIMSELF AT HER SIDE. NO GREAT HERO, SHE SAID, that I have seen your love and your deeds. I give up my rule in Elfland, and will go home with you, and live amongst mortal men till death parts us. The palace was cleansed by invisible hands. The gate and all the broken posts and pillars were mended during the night, and the marriage of the mortal hero with the Elf Queen was solemnized soon after. The husband and wife then started for bern where virginal made his home so delightful that it was long before dietrich thought of seeking more adventures meanwhile there was sorrow in the mountains and in the heart of every elf that lived there the queen had left her country and her people for the sake of a mortal all nature mourned her absence the sunsets no longer had the prismatic hues of former times and the fairy palace was invisible to all End of Section 8